Good evening, everybody. It is Monday, May 13th, as I am recording this, and it's time for 10 Dozen Minutes of 10 Dozen Minutes with Jake and Mr. Skullhead. I'm Mr. Skullhead, and Jake is also with me in spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm with you in spirit and in bits. Yeah, and like your voice is, your voice on the internet is kind of a spirit of sorts, I feel, like a ghost in the machine. Sure, the spirit of the times. Yes, you are the zeitgeist. It's a time ghost. Mm. Is that time ghost seems like it would be something cooler than what the word zeitgeist actually means? Yeah, you would think it was like somebody who died in the future in a horrific accident, such that their spirit traveled back in time. Mm, okay. See, that I was going to say tight. somebody who died in the future is just a dude. <laughs> Potentially, right? <laughs> or everybody? Sure. Everybody who is now alive is that guy mm. who died in the future. We observed of, of Riff said something about living in a graveyard at some point in the past, and I said, are you sure you're not confused about that, and in fact, you're going to live in a graveyard forever in the future? Ooh. Yeah. You know, nothing really gets a, a guy into a conversation like a reminder of his own mortality. Yeah, that's my theory about basically everything. <laughs> Sir, you just need to order a coffee. You didn't have to tell me that I'm going to die and be dead for far longer than I will ever be alive. Mm-hmm. Ah, boy. I, uh, man, I don't know what's going on with me today. I'm having one of those days where everything just feels like 20% heavier hmm. than it should, you know? I don't know. Th- this might not be a thing that happens to other people. It's like every once in a while I'll have a day where it's like I have all the physical symptoms of depression, even though I'm not perceptibly depressed. Uh huh. Maybe not. I mean, maybe I'm just depressed all the time. Maybe I've been down so long it looks like up to me. Maybe you've loaded 16 tons and what you've gotten is another day older and deeper in Dotton. Maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i down because of watching up. Oh, yeah. That's maybe thing that'll uh, happen. Maybe you are down with disease and or the sickness. Mm, that could be. Um... Yeah, yeah, so I don't know, man. It's I, just, you I know, like that. it's yeah. one of those days where everything seems like too much of a pain in the ass. Like I'm I'm in the I'm I'm trying to figure out like, all right, where well, where are we going to go for dinner? Like I'm going to go have dinner with my girlfriend and that's going to be fun, but then I'm like, now I fucking get gas. So I'm just not looking forward to anything anymore. Maybe that's it. Maybe I just get depressed on the days when my gas light comes on in my car because I know that I'm going to have to to get some gas. Is everything all right? Did you just uh, did you just uh, b- break a jar of moonshine? Oh, things were falling over, but they're they're okay now. There are too many things on my desk. I did such a good job for months at keeping my desk clean, and now it's got shit all over it. This is the thing: like, it takes no effort to let a desk accumulate shit, and it takes an immense and con- and sustained effort to keep it clean. So, eh. I don't know. Gravity always wins. Entropy always wins. Do you think it's an an immense and sustained effort? or Like, I find that I can either spend five minutes a week keeping my desk clean, or I can have a filthy desk and then spend five hours once a year cleaning it. it. I will bet that before I cleaned it this past time, it had been a year. And then I've, I've kept it clean for half a year. With seven maids and seven mops. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just weird how quickly it seems to go. Where one day you have a nice, pristine desk with, like, 
maybe a beer bottle on it. And then the next day, then well, the next time you notice, you know, not like the next day, but the next time you notice, like, holy shit, there's like four beer bottles and a bunch of paper and all kinds of crap. Like, there's no food down here anymore. I don't really do any eating down here, but there's just detritus accumulates. Mm. I it's a little easier for me because I I started keeping a bag next to my desk next to the trash can next to my desk which is for recycling. Hmm. Um because when when on the vet's recommendation I started feeding my cat canned food all the time I was just like, you know, I don't want to make a trip all the way down the stairs every time I feed the cat just to throw this empty cat food can into the recycling. So I'll just I'll just have a recycling up here because I'm lazy. I'm I'm so lazy that I don't even want to go down a set of stairs. I mean, I guess you got to just come right back up them. So, yeah, yeah, there is that work. But I and I also I like I just cannot abide having dishes on my desk. Like, yeah, I if there is a dish that has been on my desk for more than a couple of hours, like for more than like the amount of time that it took me to like drink that glass of water or whatever, I just like you are a failure. Fix this shit. Fix this shit now. Like. A pile of books doesn't bother me, and like you know, and like random clutter will sort of build up. But but yeah, like there's somebody somebody put a "don't leave dishes laying around" complex in my head hmm. at some point in my life. I, I, I did a bunch of cleaning this weekend, trying to, uh, and I, I was like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. All of the things. All of the like containers filled with objects or surfaces covered with objects that I interact with today are going to have fewer things on them when I'm done than they did when I started. Sure. And so it's just like, you know, I went through all the drawers in the bathroom and just, you know, threw out a lot of expired medicine and like things that I'm was hanging on to even though I was never gonna use them. Um you know, and various other things. What am I what are you gonna do with the expired medicine, you know? Yeah. I mean so I like I'm the kind of guy that will think, oh, Advil. I need Advil. So I'm going to buy the grocery store brand bottle of 400 Advil. But I am not a guy that takes 400 Advil in a year. Yeah. And so a, a jar of 400 Advil is going to go many, many years past its expiration date. And I think it just gets less effective. You know, that's my theory, at least. Yeah, like, I've taken expired medicine in the past on the theory that I'm pretty sure it doesn't undergo some chemical process that turns it into poison. Yeah. As far as I know. And it's been yep. fine. But then you go, okay, well, did that work a little less well because it was expired? Or yeah, so should I, take, should I take three times as much as the recommended daily allowance? Oh, no, it's not that. I'm sure you can relate to this, though. You like you take the regular dose, and then you go, well, my headache's a little better, but is it all the way better? Is it as good as it would have been if yeah. I had taken yeah. the drug that wasn't expired? And Yeah. No, I can't. And I mean, I, what, that, what that says to me is that it's all in my head anyway, so if I believe that a fresh jar of Advil is going to work better than it is, mm-hmm. you know? I don't. I don't feel like I have drugs that work consistently enough. So, so I got. I got. I got my old man rub, and when that stuff expires, it actually becomes unusable. Um, what did, what is just, that now? Uh, it's just some sort of uh, some some hydrocortisone cream that I I get this like itchy spot. I went to the doctor and I'm like, I got this itchy spot, and he was like, Well, I don't know what it is, but it's the worst case of it I've ever seen. Because huh. uh, he's funny like that. 
and he, he gave me some he was like here use this old man rub and uh gave me a prescription for this cream he's like it's like most just random dermatitis stuff like this if you just use this once a month you'll never get it and that has been the truth uh but that stuff i will use one percent of the tube and then it will just sort of turn into powder and huh. no longer no longer be rubbable so yeah, oh you're I mean, you're always rubbable possible for that to expire i guess <laughs> The hydrocortisone cream you buy at the grocery store doesn't have enough hydrocortisone cream in it to do anything. Oh, just the 1% is not enough? Yeah. You need like a 90%. Huh. I mean, the hydrocortisone cream that you buy at the grocery store, like, it tastes good. But... Yeah, you can use it to brush your teeth. Doesn't It doesn't, doesn't take any shit off Indians. <laughs> uh, I have to tell you, though, that uh, I may owe you an apology. For Be- what? Because the... Uh, the last time we talked about toothpaste, which I think was last week's show, you mentioned that the, like, weird everything tastes bitter thing that people get after brushing their teeth is not something that happens with Toms of Maine. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that sodium laurel sulfate or whatever. Yeah. Sodium Lauren Ambrose not being in there. <clears throat> Did you not so, believe uh, me? Well, no, I I hadn't heard that particular rationale for having the that kind of toothpaste. Mm-hmm. So I I got myself a tube of uh, I found a flavor that it, it actually has a flavor yeah and uh, started brushing my teeth with it and it's nice I yep, like it I like it I like the fact that if I'm called upon to eat an orange like within twenty minutes of brushing my teeth I can yeah instead of saying do I dare to eat an orange right <laughs> should I brush my teeth behind <laughs> I'm sorry should I stick my toothbrush up my ass. <laughs> If you have to brush your behind teeth, you should probably just get them pulled. Yeah. Ugh. I'm trying. No, to... is that what the phrase "it's like pulling teeth" means? It's like yeah. pulling teeth out of your ass. Hey, did did you come here with teeth, or did you just pull those out of your ass? Hmm. Um. Yeah. Well, I can really sink my teeth into this conversation. Oh. So. Uh. Yeah. I mean. You know, it's one of those things. Not gonna, I'm not gonna preach about it, but I'm. It's just like you, when I borrow somebody else's toothpaste, or like when I go camping and I and I take like a little bitty thing of toothpaste with me that I always get from the dentist. Right. It's like, oh right, when normal people brush their teeth, they brush their teeth with candy. Yeah. I mean, I like me a good strong mint. I wish that there was a little more mint in the stuff that I've got. Yeah, but it, it's. I mean, the the after used, effect you, is nice. You get used to it. I, I grew up, my parents went on this long, like, Arm & Hammer baking soda toothpaste, which was just, like, salty. Hmm. And so this is better than that. So really what you want is just baking powder, baking powder, no, baking soda and salt, like rock salt. Is that what you want? Yeah. That's what people used to brush their teeth with back in the day, right? Kind of do they often just used to brush their teeth with like a rag? Scrub it with salt. Yeah. But anything that gives you a little bit of grit is good. Like whitening a toothpaste comet. just has some sand in it, and that's why it whitens. Ooh. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'll get my teeth whitened, but then I think no. Yeah, you think nobody I know gives a shit about this at all. 
mm-hmm. and so I shouldn't either. I would like to get my teeth straightened. I kind of don't care that they're the color of human teeth, but uh, yeah, I would love to somehow rein in the ridiculousness. Although at, the, at this point, it's like, yeah, I'm. Who are you trying to impress? Yeah, I'm pushing forty, and I'm a dad, and my wife doesn't care, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would want to deal with having braces. I would do. I would do the Invisalign thing. Hmm. I think. It was I good enough for Tom I Cruise. I cannot imagine your teeth. I can't. Well, I mean, I can imagine them, right? Uh, <laughs> centered around your perfect little butthole. Exactly. Uh, uh, I can't picture your teeth. Mm. So I, I can't. I can't say that I think you've got a. I, I don't know how jacked up your grill is. People don't tend to notice because you. I don't show a lot of teeth usually. I don't mm-hmm. use a lot of teeth when I'm giving blowjobs either. Sure. But my bottom canine sticks out pretty remarkably to the point where the top canine, this is on the left side, had to move over a little bit. Mm. So on the right side, the bottom canine is tucked inside the teeth, and on the left side, it looks more like a, more like a dog tooth configuration, I feel. Okay, yeah. But like, fucking nobody notices. It would just be for me. Yeah. Ah, man, you know, whatever. I uh, the older I get, the more I, I get some gaps in between uh, my teeth on the on the left and right sides, and the two bottom center teeth are just folding across one another. It yeah. is it is barely noticeable. People look at my teeth and they say, "Ah, oh, shut up! Your teeth are perfect." And I say, "Oh, shucks." Stop! I must. There thank are problems. You. There are problems that only I notice. Your teeth are perfect. Um, I think just as people get older, the bottom teeth have to go a little picket fancy. Yeah. You know, it's it's the Christopher Lee teeth or the... Like, I've... My dad had perfect teeth, and now his bottom grill is is getting a little out of whack. It happens. Yeah, it gets to what the point where, dent- is, where dentures are going to be the better alternative, right? Yeah, we should just not get any older. No, oh, okay. I'm not saying we should kill ourselves. I'm saying we should stop aging. Mm, Okay. Okay. No, I'm there. Uh, I, I read something that uh, the headline led me to conceive of a horrible, horrible dystopian future. Uh, it was something about, like, hooking a mouse heart up to, like, hooking a mouse up to the circulatory system of a younger mouse caused oh, yeah. the older mouse to get younger. <laughs> and so I just got to thinking, like, well, <laughs> so... What's that going to mean for the 1% if that technology catches on? <laughs> like, you just go in and like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm here to steal some life essence from poor people. That's, that's the dystopian future, I imagine. And I didn't read the article because I was happier with my version of the story than I would be with whatever the real version of the story is. Yeah, although I think it probably, the end result of that science would be like, 20 young mice hooked up to every old person you think my circulatory system is awesome but i have the constant craving for cheese you don't think that they would just build they would build some sort of nanobot complex inside your stomach where you would just have to swallow 20 mice a day in order to live forever oh that'll be fine because we've seen how boa constrictors already live to forever Mm, yeah yeah i mean i've never seen one die of old age yeah I've only ever seen one thing die of old age, and it was a black cat. 
Hmm. And I think I've told this story before, but that was fucked up. Oh, you know what died of old age this week in our house? What? The hamster. Really? Lola the hamster, yep. But we were amazed that this hamster was still alive, because hamsters have like an 18-month lifespan, and this thing was over three years old. Was that the one that was there with its foot all fucked up when I was there? Yeah, so it had the fucked up foot, which we were told would probably get infected and end the thing, but it it didn't. It just kind of got mummified and stuck out at a weird angle, and the hamster learned to limp. Uh, It had one eye go all cloudy, so it was kind of a pirate hamster. Mm -hmm. If we could have fitted it with a peg leg and an eye patch, maybe it would have found the dignity and strength to carry on. But, uh, so like every time we would come downstairs where the hamster cage is, it was check to see if the hamster's still alive. Holy shit, the hamster's still alive. I guess we gotta feed it. And uh, we had been kind of prepping Ollie for like, one day we're gonna come down here and the hamster will not be alive anymore. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of curled up. It finally given up the little hamster ghost. Did you bury it or put it in the toilet? I buried it. We buried it in the backyard. I was trying to get Ollie to be a little somber about it, I guess. It's a weird mix of feelings where you I don't want him to take it too seriously and I don't want him to feel like super bad. But right. at the same time I don't want you to just be like, Oh cool, so when can we get another one? Yeah, you don't want to be you don't want to be completely insensitive about that kind of stuff or you'll end up like me. Yeah, I was like, well, let's just take a minute and think about, you know, she was a really good hamster and how we like to watch her run in the wheel because she's only alive in our heads now, in our memory. That's that's how she's... That's the only place she's still alive, so let's take a minute to remember. And he's just like, so can we get a guinea pig or another hamster? So when can, when can we do that? Like, yeah. yeah. Are you going to get a guinea pig or another hamster? Uh, no. The yeah. goal is to reduce the net number of animals in the house. Ah, so you're you're employing the the my drawer strategy to the number of living beings in your house, <laughs> right? <laughs> hmm. And it's a little harder to just throw pets away. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, what else have you been up to since the since the last time we spoke? What do we do? We we've been gardening. Constant gardening. What are you planting? Weed. All kinds of, all kinds of. No, we're pulling the weeds. We're planting uh, some tomatoes, cucumbers, zucchini, broccoli, rhubarb, uh, some Swiss chard, which apparently my wife says is delicious, even though I have no idea what Swiss chard is. It's just like a green, isn't it? Like a kind of a yeah. like a kale or a spinach or something. Yeah, it's some some leaf thing that we're gonna eat apparently. Uh, we're going to do a lot of pickling, doing some green beans, and we're planting a, a little raised garden full of spices, so that'll be fun. Okay. Well, excuse me. But we decided to dig up the two garden patches that we already have and put a new border around them and then make a couple of new places with borders around them, so it's been a, a fuck ton of work, but super fun. Oh, and we saw Iron Man, Iron Man three as well, which oh. was which was incredibly good. Have you seen that yet? I haven't. I hadn't seen a movie in a long time, but we went and saw Jurassic Park three D last night. <laughs> How was that? It was good. You, uh, saw you know, in three D. Yeah, well, there's that's your only option, right? Uh, um, there wasn't because here they always do a two D story, a two D showing of it of Even the a, of a of a three D re release of a twenty year old movie though. Yeah. Huh. 
Yeah, I would have. I would have seen it that way. Jurassic Park in 3D in 2D. Exactly. <clears throat> it for the most part, uh, the 3D was just a distraction. It was never really useful. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of just wanted to see Jurassic Park again in the theater. I hadn't seen it in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And it's good. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It it is a lot more than the sum of its parts, and I like that about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I because none of the performances are particularly good in it. Not like even Sam Neill? He is okay. Richard Attenborough's okay, but yeah. the uh, who is John Hammond, the the yeah. old owner, but everybody else is just the the fucking lawyer. Like one of the first scenes in the movie is just I am a lawyer who represents John Hammond. As you know, I am delivering this exposition in the form of a bunch of sentences that are so awkward that no one would ever actually speak like this. And it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. And then everything that guy says is awful. I feel like I've seen that guy in other stuff and he's not a terrible actor. But, yeah. You know, I remember he, him being over the top. And the kids are kind of annoying. I thought Laura Dern was good. Yeah, she's all right. Jeff Goldblum is okay. <laughs> You know, I mean, Jeff it's Goldblum a, is Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he's got he's got that sort of like Nicolas Cage property where it's like, well, you know, I guess this is a Jeff Goldblum movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I had I had a good time. There was no point at which I was like, I shouldn't have come here. <laughs> I've made a um, terrible yeah. I think we went to uh, we went to a pinball party at Wes and Rachel's house, and that was fun. Is he so? Is he the one who's got the collection of pinball machines? He does now. Yeah, hmm. I think they have eight. Uh-huh. That's, that's crazy. A, that's an arcade. I think you can justifiably call that a pinball arcade. Yeah, they they put an addition on their house to hold the pinball machines. Wow, crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that's maybe what they're like. Well, we're not having a kid, so this is what we're going to do with all that money instead. Yep. Uh, but, um. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Hot Stuff's girlfriend was in town for a while and graduated and is a doctor now, and so her family was around, and we hung out with them and did did various things. Things? Yeah. I talked to my mom yesterday, which was Mother's Day, I guess. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. My mom got a big promotion at work, which she did not actually, like, she didn't get a promotion in any sense other than she got a new title and a raise. So she's a vice president now. Is she just doing the same thing then? She is. She's just she's just like the one person in charge of one branch. You know, because she doesn't want to move on to a point where she doesn't work with customers anymore. Right. Um but yeah. It's, it's good. I think that I think that that outfit actually appreciates her. That's nice. I guess she gets more stock options. Stock options. Mhm. Nice. Um, but yeah, I sort of, I, I, I cleaned out the garage a little bit. <laughs> oh, I should point out that when I said I forgot about Mother's Day, what I meant was like right now I forgot that Mother's Day Right, you Day forgot that yesterday was Mother's Day, right. No, I know better than that. I called my mama. Yeah. I, um, I never really do anything for Mother's Day, like... The idea of, like, having... Because she doesn't live in the same city as me, so the idea of, like, 
the one time I tried to like have some flowers sent to her at work. Uh, is Mother's Day always on Sunday? Yeah. Or Mother's Day is on a date. I couldn't have been at work then. I was trying to get them delivered, and then I, I was like, you know, it was like a month ahead of time, and I ordered it, and it was like, all right, well, these will be delivered three days after Mother's Day. I was like, uh, no. Right. That's unacceptable, because you just can't do that, because the volume is too high. They're like, we brought you some flowers. The volume is too high. How do we do it? Uh-huh. Volume. Mm. Yeah. I, I can't do flowers. It, all of the women in my life would rather have something useful. So you don't think flowers are useful? Yeah. Instead of flowers for my wife, I get uh, what are they called? Edible arrangements, which they like slice up fruit and dip some of it in chocolate and dip some of it in white chocolate and dip some of it in peanut butter and then in chocolate and then some of it's just fruit. And they arrange it in a little mug, like it, as if it were a bouquet of flowers. Yeah, I always it, thought of that as a good way to give somebody a bunch of rotten fruit the next day. Uh, no, it never lasts that long. Well, because they're super expensive, so like the smallest one of them is exactly the amount of money that I would spend like on a birthday present for my wife. Mm-hmm. So we just grab that one and then sit down and share it, and that's awesome. And then for my birthday, she can get me one. And uh, I don't know. It's it's just kind of delicious. Like, I could go to a store and buy the fruit and even the, like, shit to dip it in and probably come up with something comparable for a fraction of the price, but... Yeah, but you're not going to. Yeah. yeah there's something about just sitting and, sitting and eating this thing. It's just super satisfying. Hmm. I did not realize that edible arrangements had, like, candy aspects to them. That's That makes them more interesting to me, I think. Yeah. I also, I guess, in my head, they're huge. They're like the size of a centerpiece. Yeah, they they can they get there. Hmm. That seems I, like a terrible idea. Like yeah, just buying think about it. Buying five pounds of cut up fruit. Right. It's just like, like today I had an apple at lunch, and I sliced it, and then I finished making my salad, and then when I carried them both over to the table that I sat at to eat my lunch, the apple was already brown, and I was thinking, God damn oxygen I mean you know that you can eat a brown apple right yeah yeah no I just don't it's it was like this was so pretty before and I did eat it and I I eat it every time you know but I like to get like halfway through an apple before it turns brown Mm -hmm. but this one was just I mean I must be living in an especially oxygen rich environment maybe that's why I'm so low energy were you eating it in your oxygen tent yeah yeah okay we'll see yeah, it sucks because my oxygen tent is right next to the smoking patio, so one of these days I am going to make a really grave error. <laughs> um, you would think you could just smoke more where there was more oxygen. Mm, yeah. Yeah, like you just take a single drag of a cigarette and it would be gone. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, huh. I watched Primer again in, uh, in preparation for watching Upstream Color. Oh yeah, I, I'm actually more interested in Upstream Color than I was in Primer. Oh yeah, but I haven't seen either of them yet. I'll have to check Primer out. Yeah, you know, it's it wasn't it was different than I remembered it being. Hmm. 
you know, this I mean, this was like the third time I'd seen it, but Emily hadn't seen it. So I was just like, oh, this is on Netflix streaming. We should watch this so that when we go see Upstream Color, you'll know. Because I saw the preview for that and I was like, huh, that looks kind of interesting. And then it said, from the director of Primer. And I was like, all right, sold. Yeah. It's actually playing in a theater here the end of the month. So that's handy. Yeah. I was like having an excuse to go to the art theater, feel young again. Sneak in some booze with mouse blood in it to make me literally young again. Right. Make sure it's blood from young mice, though. Sure, yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> a- you might just be you might just be kind of sideways helping an older mouse feel younger. Hmm. By draining its blood, like by making it feel like somebody still wants its blood. Well, no, by by drinking its blood and then they'll transfuse your blood into the mouse. Oh, I see. In the future, uh, all of the rich mice will have young boys hooked up to them. Mm. Is that just like it's just like a sort of a blood exchange version of uh, f- like a reversible Freaky Friday? Yeah. So like, all right, which one of us is going to be young this weekend? You just keep trading the young blood back and forth. If we can only figure out a way to duplicate blood. Hmm. Hmm. Just deposit it in the blood bank and let it earn interest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wow. Also works with sperm. Are there any other, uh, are there any banking terms that uh, lend themselves well to jokes about blood? Hmm. No. No. <laughs> we should call your mom and ask. She knows banking stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Mom, list all the words that you use at work. And we'll <laughs> stop you. We'll stop you if any of them are about blood. Um I guess that algorithm would only get us to one joke. <laughs> so maybe we won't stop you. We'll just take notes. Um you know, my mom is so nice that she would do that. She would She's a she's a classy lady. Yeah. Yes, indeed. You know, your mom's a classy lady, too. To put up with your dad's fucked up teeth. Yeah. Patience of a saint. Uh, well... We don't have a whole lot of questions. We could extend the uh, bullshitting back and forth if there was anything interesting <laughs> to talk about. We have a whole lot of answers. Uh, but not a whole lot of questions. I'm trying to think what's going on. In the world. Oh, you know what we just watched that was fantastic and had no right to be? Hmm? Was uh, Scream 4. I've never even heard of that. Ah. Yeah, they, uh, last year? No, two years ago. Everybody who was involved in Scream, like the first. Oh, Scream 4. I yeah, thought you were saying Scream screen 4. And then, like, it was some weird uh, art film. The fourth screen? Yeah. You know what we watched? A movie on Screen 4. <laughs> I, uh, last night the guy was like, all right, theater 12 will be on your left. And then I immediately went left and then, uh, and then uh, hot stuff and Emily were like, no man, it's over here. And I'm like, oh, 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 I get it. I, I screwed that up. And they're like, no, he, he screwed that up. (laughs) He told us left instead of right. And I said, well, it makes sense. That guy does have a whole bunch of jobs. (laughs) And that was my sarcastic. Very, he's not very my, good at any of them. This is my sarcastic joke about how really that guy only has one job, which is to know based on the theater number whether it is to the left or to the right. Well, he has I'm sorry. To, he has to take your ticket and rip it in half, 
Right. Or do they do that when you buy the ticket? Because that seems to be what they do now. No, they did. They he, he was also the one that had to rip the ticket. So that's probably... He got distracted. Yeah, it's like... He careful. lost his concentration. Do it right down the middle. Come on, man. They're perforated. You can do this. You so can I'm sorry. I'm stepping on, your, stepping on your Scream 4 story. <laughs> no, it was really surprisingly good. Because it's like the fourth in a fourth installment in a series historically not the best thing making a sequel after a su- substantial amount of time before the last one after the last one is also not a great thing but it turned out really really good like as good as the first scream was in the 90s it is now and uh, it ended up being the like a perfect indictment of the the cult of fame like the the modern teenage urge to always be documenting your life and to want fans instead of friends mm-hmm. so yeah super fantastic clever and awesome and one of the best things I've seen since Iron Man 3 which was also amazing I uh, still haven't seen Iron Man 2 it like it was fine I still haven't seen The Avengers or Captain America or The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> you really got to see The Avengers, man. I I would be super surprised if you didn't like it, even with everybody telling you it's awesome and you have to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Oh. Like the, the new Incredible Hulk movie with... Uh, it's not even with the guy who's the Incredible Hulk in The Avengers, so that's kind of skippable. The, oh wait, is the new is the Incredible Hulk the Ed Norton one? Yeah, the last Incredible Hulk was the Ed Norton one. Ed Norton and Tim Roth. Yeah. And I was like, Tim Roth was there just so there could be some stupid shit that the movie didn't need. Right. There's another Hulk. Yeah, the that one, eh. But uh Captain America was good. It was very uh I don't know, Indiana Jonesy, Rocketeery, Rockabilly. Mm-hmm. I've still never seen The Rocketeer. Yeah, I know, days. man. One of these days. Yeah. That's seems what like I, the kind of thing I would have been into. This summer yeah. Is the, uh, holy fuck, man, you gotta see this movie film festival. Like, I'll come up with five movies that, holy fuck, man, why haven't you seen it? And you can come up with five for me. How do we do that? Uh, oh, well, I mean, mine are all just gonna be Chris Farley movies, so you're not gonna enjoy that at all. Um... <clears throat> The, how do you even do that now? You can't, like, go... I guess you could Redbox, but that doesn't work, right? Like, Redbox, you get what you get rather than you get what you want, right? Right. I still find myself going to the video store every now and again. Like, Amazon streaming and... Between, like, Amazon Vudu and Netflix, you can get almost anything you want streaming. But sometimes there are just weird outliers where this movie is available for purchase for streaming for 16 bucks instead of renting it for streaming for 3 At which or, case, you just kind of throw up your hands. I mean, at that point, I feel like I would just buy it on DVD for, like, 8 Yeah, well, like, if, if you want to watch it that night, though. Yeah. And you've made no plans in advance, like, well, I guess I'm going to the video store. Yeah, hmm. that basically never happens to me. Do you, is there a video store around you still? No, I have no idea how I would even go about renting a video if I wanted to rent a video. 
That is one of the nice things about living in the the hood, is that there are enough people who don't want to pay for broadband or can't afford it mm-hmm. that you can still make a go of having a, a video store. I saw that there was some video store still open up in Prescott. They seem to be going some like niche specialty movie thing where all you can rent is the Nine Inch Nails broken video. <laughs> I remember you trying to show me that a long time ago. It was, um, that came up recently. People were talking about that. Somebody, somebody who was involved in the production of it was talking about it and how it, like it was on, I think it got posted to Vimeo and then they were just like, hey, would you mind taking this down? Like it just kind of, this isn't really where it belongs. Hmm. And I think they did. And it, and it did, I mean, it's it, it prompts the conversation, it, or it always is what I think of when, you know, when we were kids, how certain pieces of media had these, like, sort of, there was rarity associated with them. You know, you like, could, you could duplicate it. I mean, it was not effortless to duplicate a, a, a VHS tape. Like, you had to know somebody who had two VCRs or something, right? It wasn't just, like... It wasn't something that everyone could do trivially. Yeah, yeah. But, but nevertheless, you didn't do it, and so there was stuff that you just couldn't find. And that's a, that's just a weird. I mean, there has to still be stuff like that, but you know, growing up, being aware of the Star Wars Christmas special, but you know, just being unable to watch it. Yeah. Like, if I wanted to watch this movie and you gave me a year, I might not be able to actually accomplish that. Well, yeah, like, Heavy Metal. The guy who, like, the 21-year-old who hung out with all the high school seniors who we thought was super cool because he was old enough to buy booze and didn't realize how lame he was because the only people he could find to hang out with were the, like, 16- and 17-year-olds. Mm-hmm. But he had a like second generation bootleg of heavy metal, and we sat and watched it in awe. And it didn't like afterwards. We were all kind of thinking that kind of sucked, but it was still so awesome that we got to see it. And like nobody has ever seen, you know, it, it was so hard to get your hands on. It was weird. I saw a part of heavy metal. Like I saw like the last like ten minutes of heavy metal. It like first thing in the morning. my dad was just flipping through the HBO guide in some hotel that we were staying in on some car trip and he was like this looks like something you might like and and I was probably like 9 or 10 and that is you know a thing that is nominally inappropriate for a 9 or 10 year old but I think that even if my dad had had full awareness of what it was he probably would have still said this seems like something you would like (laughs) you know it's got wizards and shit in it and I'm not, like, he was never one to really, like, protect me from profanity or nudity uh-huh. to an undue extent. But, so, I I had this sort of, like, weird, like, idea that, oh, heavy metal was this thing that I only saw a very little piece of, and it must have just been this crazy, because the last, like, five minutes of heavy metal, it's not just like, oh, I'm just a cab driver fucking some girl or whatever, right? right? It's it, it was It was, like... You know, weird, just like Twilight Zone, with like, you know, crazy like Valkyrie things happening, and I was like, yeah, yeah I bet, I bet, th- I bet that's good. 
you know, I, from from what I've seen, the little bits of that that I've seen lead me to believe that that's something that's probably really good. And then when I watched it, I was like, you know, this is just kind of gross. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it just it just seemed like we're doing this because we can, rather than because we should. They, you know, they 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 spent so much time thinking about whether they could, they didn't stop to think whether they should. It's just kind of weird to think of it as the product of adult minds, I guess, because it's it's so clearly got the like sixteen year old sensibility of yeah, tits and fucking explosions of blood and some more tits and <clears throat> you know just kind of gleefully lowbrow and and you know what a 16 year old would like but the guys that were making it were in their 30s yeah but I mean that you know we know guys that are our age that would make shit like that if they were making shit I mean I would probably make shit like that I just wouldn't show anybody you know yeah <laughs> right if tasked to, to write a movie for people to make and watch I would be like well you know what I would want to see in this is a bunch of tits and blood and explosions but, I mean, come on. I, I guess it was a different time. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any real sense of where that fit into the broader culture. I mean, heavy metal was sort of like late game underground comics, right? I mean, it was just like, well, it turned, we're not really pushing the edge of acceptability anymore because the edge of acceptability got moved so far. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. Was that Ralph Bakshi was making that, right? I don't think that was Bakshi. He was all because not all of heavy metal is rotoscoped the way that Bakshi did everything that he ever did. Yeah, he didn't. Not everything was rotoscoped. There was still some Let's see. I would be surprised to see his name on that, but I totally want to check. Yeah, no, you you're right. Let's see. Produced by Ivan Reitman. <laughs> Yeah, it was those guys. Like, John Candy is in there. And oh, yeah. No, I guess that's true. I also didn't realize that was in 81. I would have thought I would have thought that it was a little earlier than that. But that was one of those artifacts. Like, it's weird to me to see that you can still go to Comic-Con and have the whole booth that's full of rare videos. Like, you can pay some dude 20 bucks for the Justice League pilot that they never aired. Hmm. Huh. When that's something that you can easily find online now, I mean, it doesn't. You know, when I when I bought that DVD collection of Wizards and Warriors, what I was buying was fucking two burned DVDs from the torrent of the VHS release of Wizards and Warriors, right? right. It was just, yeah, I don't know. Um. You know, so there still is that. I mean, I remember even like five years ago looking for that show and not being able to find it. And then when I saw it at DragonCon, it what I didn't immediately think, oh, that means it's available on BitTorrent. I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to buy this. Like, this looks super low production value, but it didn't seem like low production value like this guy made it himself. Right. It just seemed like, you know, yeah, well, what, what are they going to do? This was really low production value when it came out and was so unpopular that it was immediately canceled. What do you expect? Yeah. So you, yeah. you're not expecting a Blu-ray. I have these vague memories of things that I think I'd maybe be interested in. Like, I wonder if I were to watch some episodes of The Wizard 
that the the like show from the 80s about the midget who made these amazing toys and got on got on adventures with the toys that he made oh right like i have a lot of strong memories that came out of that but i bet if i watched them they would be awful i'm curious enough about wizards and warriors like that that sort of like campy fantasy you know it had a it had a kind of a douglas adams sensibility like that was clearly either right up the alley that I was already headed down or a thing that was formative for me. Uh. And, you know, I think it holds up. To to the extent, like, the things that it does to me, it holds up in continuing to do those things. You know, I'm not just bewildered by it. What did I see in this as a kid? I'm like, oh, I saw what I saw in this as a kid was they were playing a dangerous game, a dangerous version of arm wrestling that was called Arm Death. <laughs> that's a pretty good name for a game. I may have to look into that. What else did I? Uh, eh, I don't know. I'm still trying to find. There was some vampire movie that I watched when I was too young to watch it, and it freaked me the fuck out. But the vampires didn't have fangs. They had a parasite that lived in their tongue. So, like, the vampire would open its mouth, and then, like, the tip of the tongue would kind of peel back foreskin style, and inside there was this white insectile thing that would bite the person's neck. Hmm. And I've, I've looked forever. I've done so many Google searches around the theme of vampires with parasites in their tongues. But I found nothing. So if anybody out there knows what that fucking movie was, let me know. I mean, thanks to IMDb, finally caught up to where I could find the movie where the there's a creature in the local lake, and it turns out it's a backhoe from a long time ago. It's like mining equipment. So the, like that one solved, but I'm still trying to solve. Wait, the did, but did it did it like come to life and kill people? Or no, it, it was just kind of there. It was just sitting there, and they thought it I was know, a monster. Weird, weird movie, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, you know, it, sometimes I think you're better off leaving that kind of stuff alone. You know, because it's never, it's not going to live up to to the promise of the memory. But at the same time, it's not going to cancel out the memory. Yeah. You know, you're still going to have been influenced by everything that ever happened to you. Oh, you know what the thing was about that movie that I'm now trying to find the title again? Damn it. And failing. Is there's a character in there who, like, the kid wants to know the secret of what's going on in the lake. And this, like, blues man who's got all the wisdom says, I'll tell you, but you gotta go dance with the devil. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? And that was, like, five years before Batman. Hmm. And so when Batman came out, I was like, oh my god, that's that movie with that I will never find again. So, yeah. Fascinating? Perhaps. Indeed. Well, do you want to start answering some questions about the Kingdom of Loathing video game? Sure, I think we're uh, we're about that time. Okay. Uh, Lightwolf says, uh, regarding doubling stats in combat, is that something you would experiment with in a future or even the next challenge path to see what happens? Do you still occasionally see challenge paths as a way to experiment with changes to the game without changing the game, like crushing the naughty sorceress tower under a giant spaceship, limiting the use of food, booze, and blank out in a run? Uh, I do. I don't know that... I don't know that that 
is a thing that I'm... I mean, it seems like it would be fairly easy to predict the way that that would play, mm-hmm. right? So, so I don't know that that experiment needs to be done. Um, yeah. Can't oh, by the way, everybody, the quest. The quest. About a kid who lives in Australia, and there's strange shit happening in a, a watering hole, and I've already spoiled the ending for you, but uh, yeah, check it out. There were two. There were two movies that I saw when I was a kid that I really liked, and then one of them I one of them I watched again, and it wasn't that great. Uh, but another one uh, I, I I have not gone back to look into. Uh, one of them was called Fortress. It was about like this Australian school that gets all the. It's like a like yeah, there's like ten kids at this school, and they get kidnapped and uh, like trapped in this cave by the kidnappers, and then they like build makeshift weapons and kill the kidnappers. Huh. That was pretty good. And then there was another one called Band of the Hand, which I think is about some like inner city youth who are in some sort of program where they get kidnapped and trapped in a cave and have to make makeshift weapons to kill their <laughs> captors. <laughs> I, I, part of me might have gotten those movies confused as a kid. All right. Uh, there's also some there is a scene from a horror movie that I remember seeing as a kid where there's like a guy and he gets knocked over and when he hits the ground he explodes into a mass of slugs that skitter off everywhere that could be Night of the Creeps yeah I think maybe I've mentioned this to you before and you've said that I should maybe try to track that down but I don't know that you know seeing that would just be like oh right I remember that Hmm. Night of the Creeps is pretty fucking good is it it's the same guy who did Monster Squad. Mm. I, I have not actually seen Monster Squad. <laughs> yeah, is that another one? Is that another one of the five? It's on the list. I, I actually haven't seen Monster Squad as an adult. It delighted me when I was a kid. What was the... I've seen Little Monsters with uh, Fred, <laughs> with Fred, <laughs> with Fred Savage and Howie Mandel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotta imagine that. That holds up. Cannonfire40 says, having now gotten three of them out of the way, how many Avatar pads a year do you think will be a thing? How do you feel about them compared to normal pads, and has the Cosmic Bucket in any way influenced this? I am going to say one a year will be a thing. How do I feel about them compared to normal pads? Um, you know, they're cool. They're fun to make. They're, you know, they're a lot of work, but when there is a solid idea driving the work, it is very satisfying work to do. Uh, the Cosmic Bucket, no. It's not... I, I don't really feel like I learned anything from doing the Cosmic Bucket, except that like some number of people will buy that, and then some number of people will complain about it, but I don't really know. You know, nobody was bitching about feeling like competitive Jarlsberg play was involved like a slog of runs they had to do to get up to competitive levels, which was the complaint we were trying to intercept with that. So it worked in that regard, but whether it whether it generated enough ill will in other directions to not be worth doing is I, I can't really say. You know, it's so hard to measure the long-term consequences of stuff like that, like little slight... What people perceive, what some people will perceive as huge shifts in the way that we do things, even though for us it's a very, a very marginal, you know, evolution of the model or of the process. Right. Just because, you know... Somebody will get this idea about us that we would find some particular thing totally abhorrent and 
sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. Uh, Wax says, please do this in response to somebody saying that I could make my player page a giant dong. I mean, my player page already, in a lot of ways, points to a giant dong. Hmm. Um, how do you feel, he says. Is Wack a he? I think so. I assume so. How do you feel about flavor and mechanics adjustments to past content? Last radio show, it was suggested that the ridiculously huge sword and pizza cutter could have some interaction with the Renaissance giant and foodie giant, respectively, but I fully expect you to not do anything with that. Seems like a fun idea. Is there more important stuff to do? Is it just one of many things on a big checklist? This also applies to items of the month, though I can understand why you'd be careful with those. I mean, we tend to not want to add stuff to old items of the month because the one time we did that, it resulted in just five or six years of people asking if we were done doing that mm. and if we were going to do it with future items of the month and like you know we don't want to we don't want to do things that multiply the amount of work that we have to do going forward I mean the game in a lot of ways is all about changing past content right <laughs> I mean things are on a lot of things are on the third or fourth revision at this point I mean I don't know that you know, adding just like a gag interaction with the Renaissance giant and the foodie giant, you know, that'd be fine. I don't know that there is anything mechanically that needs to be changed about that quest right now. No, but I can see like we hardly ever use that functionality because it's hard to think of like when you're adding a new monster you don't think what are all the weapons in the in this game and what are humorous ways in which they would interact with this monster and let me create special cases in the weapon spindler yeah it is weird that like i mean that they they did seem like there were basically two monsters in the airship whose drops didn't interact with anything in the castle and then there were two monsters in the castle who didn't have any interactions with items that were extremely appropriate right for those two items but it's just those i mean i didn't set out to i mean i guess i sort of did i was like well there should be tricks for speeding up various parts of the level 10 quest that you will do or not do depending on what drops for you in the airship while you're getting to the level 10 part while you're getting to the castle but I didn't like that wasn't there wasn't a checklist on either end right it wasn't like I need there to be one interaction with every monster or I need there to be one interaction with every item it was just I want there to be some things that happen in here and I I took them in the order that I thought of them as I needed them and then I finished before I got to all the monsters or all the items it's kind of how that worked uh new challenge pass says whack your profile page doesn't show a familiar by the time this airs it should only be about two hours before the path rolls but if there was some concern over mystery a familiar purchase is no longer being safe due to all the paths that restrict which ones you can take or render them entirely unusable gear items themselves are inherently unsafe because they're for the most part unequivocable in hardcore runs but having added familiars to that category in fully half of current challenge pass probably this new one too seems you're limiting what you can make and therefore sell in mr store Please keep this heavily in mind for future challenge paths and reconsider situations where challenge paths disallow familiars. Jarlsberg is a wizard. Wizards have familiars. Sneaky Pete is a cool guy. Cool guys have wingmen. Now, the, the next challenge path doesn't restrict familiars. I Most of the time, I don't have a familiar because when I am doing stuff in combat, I want 
Like when I am fighting monsters, it is typically because I am testing something and I don't want a familiar interfering with it. So don't don't read anything into anything that you see on my profile about anything that's ever going to happen ever. Right. Uh, Madzor Panza says, "Will there ever be a PvP center challenge path?" I don't really know what that would be. PvP is. I mean, do we have any idea what the size of the PvP? the pvping population is uh i mean i think we like the royal we like the as a company we probably do because chris probably knows or or could produce it somewhere in the hive mind yeah information lurks because it seems like that is probably a small enough group that catering only to them for a challenge path wouldn't be a great idea yeah, although, I mean, it's fine for there to be challenge paths that aren't that exciting to people, right? It gives, <laughs> gives people a chance to do other things. Um, will there ever be an item of the month focused on PvP? I kind of doubt it. Yeah. You know, not really sure what it could be. I mean, there I could imagine PvP being a thing where it's like, all right, well, we're going to make an item of the month that's just like fun flavor or whatever, and it needs to be... It needs to change something. It needs to be good at something. And what it's going to be good at is PvP. You know, or like, because they deliver them. Like, this, what this is going to be good at is underwater stuff. Like, you know. Uh, Squin says, I know Jick thinks unlocking the island for the level 11 and 12 quests can be a little wonky. I just started the level 10 quest and had a thought. What if the SOCK unlocked the island if you didn't already have the dinghy? It would still be preferable to get there earlier in a run, but now it would always be unlocked by level 11 at the latest, and it makes sense that you could travel to an island in an aircraft in addition to a rowboat. I, I have considered that at times, and it does make narrative sense, but I like not having it that way. Because it makes it so that, you know, I mean, why can't you, why you could take the bus somewhere, you could drive your car somewhere other than the, than the beach, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's just a key with a different name. And the, the SOCK is a key with a different name. The K stands for key. Um, yeah, I mean, I pretty much already know what's going on with the the island in the near future so yeah i like what you've got the uh the little unlock you've figured out for the island i think is cute yep uh give easy says word realms is awesome i stream a playthrough on twitch and now a couple of friends are asking where to buy it and when i'm gonna stream again thanks for making another great game um it will be purchasable probably tomorrow uh by the time you're listening to this probably yesterday Hmm. um we got we got in touch with the humble store dude and talked to him for a bit today. Finally, and uh, that'll happen. We got to fill out some forms. We got to put us our uh, comic book in the store. Oh, yes. So that people can have it, and I also want to get it into the tool, the uh, spindler tool, so that I can send them out to people who bought the print copy from our little our boutique run. Yeah, let's let's talk to uh, let's talk to City Boyer about that tomorrow. Uh, on that note, is there any extra merchandise from the Kickstarter you'd be able to sell? I'd love a Lord Nightmare poster. I know we have a handful of those. I don't know what the plan was for something to do with them. I know I was going to frame one. Um, 
TP Junkie says, are we ever going to get a line in our quest log under, under other accomplishments about Crimbo 11 or Crimbo 12, like from Crimbo's past, please? I, yeah, I mean, I know that this is a thing that people are going to continue to bother us about until we do it. It's just one of those things where it's like, there is always something more important to work on than going through the big list of things from the last three or four years that we would have put other accomplishment lines in for and put other accomplishment lines in for them. Right. I mean, it doesn't take long to do it. It's just, it's one of those things now where it's like, well, if I'm going to do this, what I want is for somebody to go through the permaflags table and say, all right, what is everything? Let's just catch up so that we don't have this backlog of shit that people want lines in the log for. Um, And that is just a bigger project than doing any individual thing. And so basically it's just me being shitty at uh, time management. And time management games such as Diner Dash. You know what I should do is write down what happened the past couple of Crimbos before we have another one. Oh yeah, get the it, the documentation still. Yeah, could use that. It's so easy to forget about that because I thought of there was kind of a through story through a bunch of those where what was happening wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if you didn't have the backstory, and that's really not the case ever since the. Well, like, the diorama one was after that storyline kind of ended. Yeah. After Father Crimbo came back and got smacked down. So, yeah, it's hard to 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 remember to do that, but I totally should. And it's one of those things where, I mean, the, the story in KOL is... It is not necessary to enjoy what's going on to understand where it fits into a broader narrative... Right, because oh, you sure. tend to see bits and pieces of stuff in an order that we can't control anyway. Yeah. And so, you know, it's good that it's there because it drives what the individual pieces are. But I don't I don't think that... I don't think there's ever been a Crimbo that would have been really diminished by not knowing what had happened in previous Crimbos. Oh, no, I was just pleased with myself for having woven them together. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I started making the little story this far thing. Uh, Cannonfire 40 says, So in case you guys were wondering, Baloney Lambic is actually not bad in real life. I typed this with a half-down one next to me. Eight out of ten would make again if it didn't take so much effort. Uh, also, <laughs> does infusing a stout with smoked bologna cold cuts, then garnishing it with more cold cuts count as, make it count as a Lambic? I'm not so convinced. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um... Who came up with the Jarl's booze again? I just want to know who came up with the genius that is the disappointed Russian. Now that was me. That was one. That was one particular uh, afternoon where a flash of inspiration finally occurred. There was a big complicated chart on my whiteboard. Um, I bet a lot of that stuff would be really gross. I mean, a chunky Mary, although it probably has the grossest name. Right. Of all of them, just because of the menstrual blood insinuation. At least when I think of the word chunky, I think of menstrual blood. Hmm. I think of salsa, which looks a lot like menstrual blood. Yeah. Um, I mean, salsa with vodka and it would probably be fine. Right. You know, like just a glass of vodka with some salsa dumped into it. Like I'd probably consume that. Hmm. And it wouldn't be any grosser than a lot of other things. Vodka with sour cream in it, probably pretty fucking gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Yeah, and then somebody links to some smoky sour beers. I do not like a smoky beer. What is the quality of a beer that makes it taste like a like a dill pickle? I don't know. Because that vinegary, I guess. Yeah. But there have been a couple and I, I think it's described as sour usually that it's just uh it just tastes like a beer that someone's added pickle juice to. I thought there was a type of beer that you didn't like because it had that. Well, that there's quality. a there is a so like uh fat tire. I don't like fat tire because it has a taste to me that I interpret as being like sort of rotten olives. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have narrowed that, and I don't remember the name of it, but I think that at one point I tried a couple of beers that used the same kind of hops that that Fat Tire uses, and isolated that taste to that particular breed of hops. Ah. Um, but I don't remember. I probably did that research when I was drunk enough to be willing to drink something that I was pretty sure I was going to hate. WVO Quine says, are you guys willing to talk about Word Realms yet? I'm really curious to hear about the writing. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally willing to talk about Word Realms. Uh, because the writing in Word Realms feels really different than KOL writing, both in terms of the overall storyline as well as the dialogue and monster and item descriptions. When I play KOL, I can pretty reliably tell who wrote what bit of content, but it's a lot harder when it comes to Word Realms. I'm pretty sure Riff wrote the storyline in the tavern, but beyond that, uh, let's see. Who came up with the overall story? Who did the dialogue, the item descriptions, and the journal descriptions? Did you actively actively try to write in a non-KOL way? One of the first items you get is a beer that tastes like piss, which doesn't feel like something you'd put in KOL. So what I wanted to do, like, you know, because I started working on Word Realms when I was, when I'd reached that Dave Gorman age where I decided that I wanted to start being taken seriously, and I, I even considered growing a beard, um, my... My direction for the writing on Word Realms was that it should be funny but not goofy, right? Like, yeah, I did not want there to be absurd, incongruous things in the world. Um, you know, and and a lot of that. I mean, there are probably some things that I that I would have changed, but but just didn't bother. Like, I think I would have made people's names a little more normal. Like a you know a little more like regular like names, like Raphael Mulligan. Well, I mean, he was a see. Part of it was also like I I wrote the overall story, right? Like I, I scripted out like what was going on, what you were doing. Some things got kind of decided on by committee. Some things got changed. Some things got like some things got fucked up. Like the we added the cemetery fairly late in the progression of the story, just to sort of make it so there was another zone and that we could do some more like you know so that you were actually fighting some supernatural stuff rather than just dudes like the 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 problems that we had with the engine made developing content such a chore that we ended up stuck in a lot of like it just got harder to do the things that are very very easy to do in KOL and have kind of spoiled us but like so the the this whole cemetery section got added and that's why there's like the goofiness where you can't encounter Raphael until you've already talked to Benedict and he shows up in the journal because like the journal as a as a list of things that are in the zone like the notion of completing a zone was fairly late 
was a late ad. And so it's like, well, what the fuck? Do we put the guy in there? And then you'll think that you need to keep staying like that. That just didn't work very well because it didn't make any sense for you to kill for you to beat Raphael and not take his dream because that's all you got for beating him. Yeah. Um, but if you didn't know in narratively, if you didn't know how to use the dream jar, you couldn't take his dream. And so we decided that rather than just like, well, we'll do this thing where if you beat him, he runs away and gets pushed back in the queue. And eventually you go back and, and can get him, but you can still get the entry in the journal. And it's just like that didn't really work readily from a technical standpoint. And it's, you know, um, but basically I lay, I laid out the story beats and, and like most of the stuff that happens over the course of the game was just like, all right, this is this is what's going to happen in this game. Um, I wrote all the item descriptions. Scully wrote, you wrote the milestones, the item drop texts, and the journal entries for everything, right? Yeah. And Riff wrote all the dialogue. Did you write any of the dialogue or did Riff write all the dialogue? He wrote... No, he wrote all of those dialogue trees. Okay. Um... So, I wrote we each and we each wrote like a third of the taunts that you Yeah, see. yeah, yeah. We each wrote I think we each wrote, ended up with like 20 a little over 2500 taunts a piece. I would be surprised though WVO Quine if you can reliably tell who writes what in KOL. Yeah. I mean there are some things that you can go, "Oh, okay, this has like three dozen items that you have to combine in a specific way to get the potion to unlock the door." That's definitely going to be riff. Yeah. You know, or this is 12 paragraphs of text disguised as a choice adventure. That's probably Scully. But it, as far as like one-liners and stuff go, I think our style's pretty consistent. Yeah. If it's short, it's Jick. He's good at being funny in like four words. Oh. Thanks. Which I am not. Buddy. Lol. Um, Yeah. I, I think I write, at this point, I feel like I write most of the item descriptions in KOL. When you when you make a bunch of items for a thing, you'll write them. But I, that's that's a thing that I almost never assign to somebody else. Like, it's just as fast for me to write that as it is to assign it to somebody else. Uh-huh. It's kind of like you and hit text. Like, you basically write all of those because that's the thing that you can do very easily and quickly mm-hmm. that Riff and I can't ever really seem to <laughs> pull off. Um. Yeah, I mean, I like I wanted Word Realms to have a darker tone than KOL. And I don't know that I don't know that it really works. You know, just because we what weren't we weren't really all on the same page and the art style is super cartoony. And right. so, you know, so I just don't know. There, there was a base level of silliness in it, like from the first time that I saw anything of it. But I think it, I think you managed to get it a little more serious than KOL without making it so serious that you can't get away with anything being silly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think you wanted it to be just deadly serious. No, right? no, 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 absolutely not. I mean, I wanted it, I wanted it to be whimsical, but not. I didn't. Like, I don't want anachronisms in it, and I don't want you to be hitting monsters with a toothbrush, right? Like, right. that. There, there is just, like, we can, we can make something that has a tone and not have to rely on 
not, not even I would not say that KOL relies on like pop culture jokes or whatever. Yeah. But I, I think we can we can be clever without them. And I would like for that to be how Word Realms is. Yeah, that was part of your mandate is if you can sneak in something subtle, like in a hit text or something, like this is a mug of brandy so fine it could steal a sailor from the sea. Like that is a sentence that makes sense if you haven't heard that song. So you're okay with that, but throwing in something just completely off the wall. Yeah. Just for the sake of the reference you didn't want. I did, come to think of it, I did do a batch of items, of item descriptions at some point. Oh, did you? Because that was one of the ones that I wrote, yeah. Mm. Um, so many of the items went in after I made the Spindler and the Word Tools uh, thing, and I'm pretty sure that I did all of those. Yeah. After that, all the all the crafted items, although a lot of them just don't have descriptions. Like that was another thing is that I was like, you know, if I can't come up with something to say about this, I'm not going to say anything about it. Rather than feeling like I needed to make some joke on mm-hmm. all of them, and I guess that's probably a little. I guess it's weirder. So like in World of Warcraft, they can add some flavor text to an item, and they do it on one out of every thousand items. Probably. And I guess that is having a joke on every item is one thing and having a joke on one out of a thousand items is one thing, but probably having jokes on three out of four items is going to make it seem like there's something wrong with the ones that don't have Hmm. a joke. I mean, I guess a lot of the item descriptions in word realms are also not jokes, right? They're just, you know, I, I think, I think that, I was thinking about this a lot in a, in a, in a, in the, in the context of a word realms MMO, I wouldn't want to disappoint our fans who were expecting it to be the same kind of work that we do on KOL. And I almost feel like maybe the thing to do is like the compromise is wasn't even really a compromise, right? In fallout new Vegas, there is a perk that you could take when you made your character that was just like, it didn't cost anything. It what there weren't it was it just unlocked some content that was silly. Huh. Right? It just like things I feel like things that they argued about whether or not they were tonally appropriate to put in the game. You know, like there's a skeleton in a refrigerator wearing a fedora. Right? And I'm guessing that some of the people on the design team were like, God damn it, no. <laughs> and some of the people were like, Well, huh. come on, it's no big deal. And so then they decided to put that and the six or eight other things that were you know, jokey things that somebody thought would be funny and had made the assets for, but that they weren't all in agreement that it tonally fit. And they just put in this thing like, hey, check this box if you're willing to see some weird shit that might take you out of it a little bit. (laughs) Right? And most people don't care. I didn't turn it on because I was like, no, no. I I think I understand the option that they're giving me here, and I think I'm going to go with the one that doesn't flip the weird switch but the idea of like if if in the word realms mmo most of the text was being delivered to you via like a uh, like a book like a magical book where text about things unlocked as you found them right and right. there were just two versions of that book the serious one and the funny one and you could just pick which one you wanted to look at hmm. and you know i don't know that just doubling the amount of work is 
really reasonable, but doubling the amount of writing work is a, that's the that's the kind of work we can double the amount of and be okay. Yeah, that's you know I was gonna say that's the kind of work that you wanna that is not really work once it gets rolling. Like writing two versions of something might as well be writing one. Yeah, it's quick. Yes, but I you know I don't know I don't know if that I don't know if that takes you out of it. You know, I don't know if it's possible to ignore that once it's there, but I mean, if it, you know, so like there's this book, there's this book that explains what's going on in the world. And then there is another version of this book that is written by like an insane time traveling gremlin or something that is making anachronistic references, you know, and then that's okay. Who knows? I, I don't. I don't have a sense, you know. I, I don't. I don't really have a sense of how the reception of of Word Realms is. You know, people. There's a thread where people talk about how hard it is to run under Linux, so that's <laughs> something. You know, I mean, people like people like a lot of the taunts, and that's cool. And that, you know, when people talk to me about the writing, when people in real life have talked to me about the writing, they have exclusively been talking about the taunts. Because we would have a conversation where I'd be like, wait, wait, really? And then I would just, it would dawn on me what they're talking about is the taunts, not what I consider the writing. Hmm. You know, it's weird because that is writing. That's, you know, that's what you mean when you talk about writing. But I did not consider, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I think of writing as putting text on paper when I don't want to. (laughs) And so when I do want to, it doesn't feel like, I mean, you know, fucking item descriptions in KOL are writing. That is the skill that I'm using when I make them, when I write them. I don't know. I don't know why I just don't think of like it's like I, I, I there's a writing with a capital W in my head, and most of what we do isn't it, but it totally is. Um. Yeah, I mean, I. It is a little weird, right? Like, you, so these witches kidnap this girl, and because because she is particularly good at having horrible dreams, and they're extracting them from her, right? And and the, the other methodology for extracting dreams from somebody who's good at having horrible dreams is to preserve his brain in an endless nightmare, uh-huh. and then you kill him to release him from it. Like, that's not that is stuff that we would put in KOL, maybe, but we wouldn't like. It would be it would be so heavily lampshaded as to lose its effectiveness. I think, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The endless nightmare scene is. I mean, it has some real impact. I think, like some actual emotional heft to it. But it's also funny. The first time I played it, yeah, like it's funny when he is like in the classroom in his underwear, right? And then he's, like, running away from stuff, and you you kind of figure out what's going on. And then having to pull that plug, I actually got a, a little bit of a feel off of it. And I think that's... You can still do that without having to seriousify the game around it. Yeah. So that... Like, I don't think that it feels too out of place. But I, I'm used to something being funny and then going in for the feels and then being funny... Or weird, or out there. I tone is so subjective, and I mean, like life, man. Yeah. Like, life is funny, and then it's horrifying, and then like, 
it's funny again right yeah i mean and it's and it's like i i feel like the reason that the reason that so many comedians are so fucked just you know depression wise and alcoholism wise and so is it, it because like humor is a really powerful tool for dealing with horrible shit mm-hmm. and one way like if somebody has a lot of horrible shit happen to them one thing that can happen is they get a lot of opportunities to practice using humor to deal with horrible shit and so they wind up being funny yeah and you know and then that and then that becomes its own drive right but then for some people like i don't feel like i don't feel like humor for me is primarily a tool for dealing with i mean i guess maybe it is primarily a tool for dealing with existential horror but like i also just like it and i think that it you know i'd rather live in a world with more funny shit in it than less and that's a thing i can put funny shit in the world I don't even think of humor as a tool for, or a method of dealing with anything, you know? It's more like the air I breathe. Yeah. It's the the goldfish water that I'm swimming in. Sure. So, like, yeah, the way I deal with being nervous is to make a joke. The way I deal with being bored is to make a joke. The way I deal with being awake is to make a joke all the time. Yeah. I mean, I guess just having grown up around cops you get a lot of that and mm-hmm. it's it's awful you know it, it like you you just start to see like the the i think part of the reason that i have such a like a, an occasionally like really offensively tasteless sense of humor is because the subject matter of a lot of the day-to-day just dudes joking about stuff was in retrospect incredibly grim You know, because these were like, I was hanging out around guys who were drinking too much and making jokes because they spent their afternoon scraping a bunch of dead kids out of a car accident scene, you know, and like, you know, looking back, that shit's fucked. Yep. And, you know, what's that? But. You know, and then it's just like you know, these weird ideas about like what work, what work is supposed to be like. You know, you just got just some shit that's really unpleasant that has to get done sometimes, and you know, for instance, it would probably be wrong to ask a woman to do that. Yeah, uh, which is horrible, and yet it is born of a whole bunch of experiences of things that were not bigotry or prejudice you know just Mm. like yeah well that took a turn man Uh, we need some humor to lighten this up Roipi says name something it's okay to be a snob about name something it's not okay to be a snob about huh I think it's okay to be a snob about beer honestly like if you're hanging out with a bunch of people who are drinking Bud Light, I think it's okay to say, have you tried some other beers? And maybe you would like these beers. I think it is okay to make fun of somebody about anything. Sure. I don't think that it's okay to believe that your preferences about anything make you a better person than someone else. I guess it's the definition of being a snob. Like, 
to me, when I say I'm a beer snob, that just means if I go into a bar that has Bud Light, Miller Light, and Coors Light on tap, I'm not going to be drinking any beer there. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be a dick to other people about it. It's just, I'm a beer snob. I don't want to drink shit beer. Life's too short. Sure. I mean, I think that it's it's okay to be discriminating about everything that you do because life is a series of choices that you make about which things you're going to experience, right? And why not why not take the time to make the choices that are going to result in you being the happiest? Yeah. So, I mean, you be a, be a snob. Like, it's okay to be a snob about everything. It's not okay to be an asshole about anything. And that's kind of, that's beautiful. I, I want that on a poster. I'm an asshole about a lot of stuff, I bet. But at least you understand that it's not okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to write that down. So, it's okay to be a snob about everything. It's not okay to be an asshole about anything. Okay, you're writing that down? Yeah, I I am seriously typing that down. I think it's wise. Point Narf says, On a recent radio show, there was a brief joke about doing a cookbook item of the month. Would you actually consider doing something like that, where an item of the month unlocks recipes? There's already something similar with the April shower, but a cookbook sounds like it'd be something more like, if this is on your bookshelf, you can use these recipes. Huh. That's, That's kind of interesting, actually. I thought he was talking about an item that unlocked a bunch of real life recipes Ooh, okay which would be great like not only is this giving you in-game benefits but it's going to teach you how to make hush teach you some real things about the world can you make hush puppies without a deep fryer i was just looking at a recipe because i was making fried catfish for dinner and uh, it implied that i could make it just like in a cast iron skillet huh or in my case a teflon lined whatever skillet yeah because a hush puppy is basically just like a like a deep fried ball of cornbread right pretty much with some onion sliced in there yeah i feel like it's got to have that for flavor so do you fry it and then bake it or well with the everything else that i've done like that yeah you you fry it in the pan and then bake it in the oven for 20 minutes to dry it out pretty much I feel like I used to eat a lot of hush puppies, and now I almost never eat hush puppies. I wonder what that says. It says that there aren't enough Long John Silvers left in the world. <laughs> That's what the fuck it says. I'm sad about that. There were like three or four in the metro area, and now there are just kind of aren't any. It's so, like, I feel... I would feel even guiltier about eating at a Long John Silvers than I do about eating at an Arby's. At this yeah. point, and Arby, you know, I'll eat well, I'll sure. eat at Arby's like once a month, and I still feel like that's too much. That's too much Arby's. Mm-hmm. I think I think a once a year is about the right amount of time to go to a Long John Silver's. Yeah, I think mean, like everything in it is fried, but it's just like so. It's like pizza. It's like a Pizza Hut pizza. It's just so greasy that it's like, man, I I feel like the actual appropriate serving size of this substance is zero. Oh, I like know. Like, you just but eat it's, something it's different glorious. than this. Yeah. Uh. Well, um, well, that was a forum thread, and we are coming right up on the amount of time that I think these shows are. 
<laughs> it's an hour and a half. It used to be an hour 45 with 15 minutes of... Well, no. You know, we used to do two hours. We had at least 15 minutes of music in the middle. And at least, like, five or six musics on the outside of it. Yeah. Five or six musics of minutes. Mm-hmm. That's outside. pretty close. Yeah. We're not... We're not cheating you, kids. And besides, the quality is so much higher. Yeah, now. it is. We're doing I this because like we want attention. to, not because we have to. I'm I'm almost sober every week. Yep. I only had the weird things. I had between zero and one beers in me over the course of this. <laughs> wow, that's good for you. Usually, you're uh, you're like eight or nine whiskeys deep before we start. <laughs> yeah, that's me. You know the the weird thing is. Sometimes my just tongue and face don't cooperate with each other, and I was tripping over my tongue when we started. And the more that I've sat here and like drank beer and and chilled out, the clearer I've been able to talk. I don't know what that is. Like sometimes the tongue just wants to be like 0.5% thicker than it usually is, and it just fucks up my ability to talk. Do you not think that's like... I, I, I notice that more when I'm having more sinus problems. Do you think that that's not just like a, a... Potentially just like a sort of overall level of inflammation thing? It could be. Because I definitely get that. And I also feel like once you... A lot of times, five minutes before I have to start recording something, I'm going to... I think, well, fuck. It sucks that I have to record this thing on a day when I can't talk. But then yeah. that's never a real thing once I get going. You know, so I don't know if there's just, definitely talk much during the day, and so yeah, it could be. I am kind of taciturn during the day. There's there's something to the face thing though. Like I can listen to. I've been trying to find our podcast to listen to. By the way, is it? Are we on iTunes? Yeah. with ten dozen minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's just called the KOL podcast because it's both shows now. Oh, okay. So I'll find that. But I've been listening to horror show, and I can tell like, oh, that day, my sinuses were driving me nuts. Because my voice gets really weird and it's like way up high in my nose because nothing is working. And The only thing I can ever tell is the, is the video games hot dogs during which I had one drink too many before we started. <laughs> Do they get adorably sloppy? Yeah, just, a, just I, I, can, I, can, I can tell when my speech is a little bit slurred. You know, yeah. I, I, probably listeners can too. There's people who've made entire careers out of listening to us talk. I can only tell when you're drunk when you're smiling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's he's too happy to be sober. Mm. Well, you know, alcohol is just a tool for dealing with existential horror. Yeah. Beer and jokes. My, ooh, jokes about beer. We should make a, uh, a beer that's like Laffy Taffy, where, like, people who obsessively peel off the labels of beer will get shitty jokes. Oh, man. Under the label. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What are we gonna... They should be randomly generated knock-knock jokes. Yeah, they should. Okay, so what is a word... What is a kind of beer that rhymes with a kind of a joke word or a kind of joke? Okay, I'll call... I'll call a comedian. Okay, and I'll, I'll call you a call brewer. call a brewmaster. Yeah. All right, and we'll just have them... All right, just say all of the words that you use at work in random order until... Well, so here's what you do. We we will each call we will we will each call the people that you just suggested that we call, and then we sit real close to each other so that your headphones are split between my two ears and mine are split between your two ears, and we just wait for them to say something that rhymes. 
Oh yeah, listening to both ears at the same time. Yeah. Then we'll have to say like, "Hey, Brewmaster, slow down a little bit." Oh right, yeah. Because you got to keep them in sync. Mm-hmm. We should just call up in sync. Yeah, they're good at they're, they're good at busy. saying things at the same time. Yeah, and rhyming. So yeah, okay. And they're not busy except for Justin Timberlake. Yep. He might not even be busy. It's a weekday. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think uh, instead of letting that patter continue to peter out, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.